0: You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. And uh, no, it is it is great to be back, and um, it's great to see some other faces I didn't uh, get to see last week that I uh, that I've that I've known, and it was great to chat with some of you as well um, after the service as well. And uh, it was uh, it was such a blessing um, to come here this morning. I knew that um, Shirley and uh, Kim and Anne were going to be. Uh, leading us in worship. And and those guys were actually a part of uh, the worship team that I led up at Southport Church of Christ. Uh, so we served together for a long time. Um, Kim was one of my worship leaders as well, did a fantastic job. And uh, those guys uh, were such a blessing to the church, to uh, the worship team, uh, but also to me personally, to uh, through many different things and so it's, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you for a while uh, but it's good to see you guys and Anne as well and uh, it's great to be back here again this week. Uh, and so what we're doing this morning is like Steve says, we're going to uh, do part two of wielding the word and uh, if, if you weren't here last week I do really encourage you to go back and listen to last week's sermon because this week's sermon is very very much kind of stands on top of what we talked about last week so last week was was kind of a foundation uh, we looked at the theology of the Bible um, what it's like what it is and what its purpose is I'll kind of briefly cover that again but if you're just coming here this morning I do encourage you to go back to last week because there are two Uh, parts of the puzzle that they kind of fit together. Um, Before I kind of jump in, let me pray. Hey, let's do that. Let me pray. God, uh, we come before you now. Uh, We recognize that you are a good God, that you are the God who loves us, uh, and that you are uh, seeing your will done here on this earth Um, through this church, through the individual lives uh, of, of the people of this church, of the members of this church, of this community, um, through the different outreaches, through, uh, through the op shop and, and beached at Burley and, and some of the different things that are going on here. Father, I pray now as we come before you and as we open up your precious word, your word that is a gift to us. Father, that, that you will be speaking to us. Lord, that we will hear the voice of your spirit. Um, Speak to us through your word. Father, I pray that um, although there might be aspects of today's sermon that are a challenge, that might be a little bit confronting, that we'll also be encouraged to seek the truth of your word so that it shapes us and molds us to be be your image out in the world, to be your representatives, to be Jesus out in the world, uh, in our world and in the world of the people here gathered. So I pray now that you, that you use this humble preacher to speak your word, that you are glorified above all. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm back. You can't get rid of me. No, Sorry. no. Um, just a it's good. quick community. Quick disclaimer, TV in the kids' room playing up. So they're in the hall. So as you hear them singing, which won't be for very long, he has two thoughts. One, oh, I wish those kids would be quiet. Or number two, which I encourage, pray for our kids that are having fun in Jesus' name. And so they won't be too long. TV's not working. God bless them. Uh, If it is getting too much in that corner, there's this whole other corner as well, but they should stop soon. So, yeah, thanks, Brad. All good. Thank you. So if you've got your Bibles there, why don't you open up uh, to, uh, in fact, I'd love you to have your Bibles open the the entire time. I will have most of the text come up onto the screen, but with what we're going to do today, it's going to be quite practical. And what I want to give to you is I want to give you some tools that you can take into your regular quiet time, into your regular reading of the Bible, and we're going to kind of do it practically together. So if you've got your Bibles here, I encourage you to do that. Otherwise, the words will be up on the screen. Um, if you want to quickly, well, it, it'll come up on the screen, maybe just have your Bibles out for now. Last week we looked at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And if you remember last week, we discussed that there were two voices. The the entire chapter, uh, chapter three of that book, talks about two voices. There's the voice of the culture um, that we kind of swim in daily that, that, that exists around us. And then there's the voice of the scripture. Um, the voice of the culture and the voice of the scripture and the Bible is God's word it's God breathed therefore the words that are in the Bible although they were penned or written by, um, by human authors the words are actually God's words therefore they carry God's authority so that's one and second is that the Bible has a purpose so, they're not just words to just teach us about God. They have a purpose. Um, they, they're there to teach us, but they're also there for reproof and correction. Reproof is like rebuking and, and breaking apart, and correction and training, and the training for godly li- living. And the main point was the Bible is a gift, open it. The Bible is a gift open it and hopefully many of you have been opening it um, as you guys have been reading through uh, the book of Luke. I think that's fantastic that you're doing that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to build on top of that foundation but this week is going to be much more practical Um, and like I said before it stands on top of the foundation that we laid last week. So if the Bible is Uh, both the authority of God and it has a purpose for our lives, our goal when studying and reading and hearing from the Word of God should be two things. First of all, to hold fast to its truth even if it's unpopular. To hold fast to its truth even if it's unpopular and even if it's confronting for us. Because it's God's Word. It's, um, It's God's view of reality and God's view of reality is the truth. So we should hold fast to that. Secondly is we should actively allow that truth to shape us even if it's uncomfortable. We should actively allow that truth to shape us because it's the purpose of God to form us into the image of Jesus. Um, we should let that the, the truth of that shape us even if it becomes uncomfortable. So here's an illustration to kind of kick us off. Um when we read the Word of God, we've got two things happening. We've got us, and we've got the Word of God. And what should be happening is this should be us. This is Plato. It doesn't look as nice as what it first did, and it's, it's kind of been mushed together with different colors, but once you get the colors together, you can't get them apart again. Uh, that's something I learned pretty quick. Uh, but, this, but this should be us. It's malleable, moldable, shapeable. That should be us. This which is the mold, the thing that shapes, should be the Word of God. And what happens is we bring these things together. I won't kind of do it now, I don't have too many hands free, but if you know what Plato is, I think you, I think you get the idea of what happens. You bring these things together and the thing that's malleable, which is us, should be shaped by the mold, the thing that has authority, the thing that is firm. So we bring these things together, we bring the Bible into our world, we soften ourselves, we allow the Bible uh, to shape us and to, shape, and, and to uh, change us, and over time, by God's grace, we come out looking more and more and more like Christ each day. That's the purpose of the Bible, that's the goal of our lives, really. Unfortunately, that's not what always happens. Sometimes, in fact, the opposite happens. We become the mold. We become the mold. We become the authority. We, we have our views, our upbringing, our traditions, the things that we've learned maybe as a child um, in Sunday school or, or at church or something like that. And the Bible becomes the thing that's malleable and moldable. And when we bring these things together, unfortunately what happens is is that we, we, we see the Bible, we bring the Bible into our world, but because sometimes it confronts us or it challenges our kind of preconceived worldview or our preconceived understanding of God, rather than being changed by the Bible, we end up changing the Bible. And so the Bible, as we read it, kind of looks more and more, the message of the Bible, I should say, looks more and more like us rather than we, become, we looking more and more like Jesus. And this can happen when we don't like things in the Bible with, with what it says to us. This, this can happen when the Bible makes us feel uncomfortable. And there are two, um, I think, fairly major problems with this. Um, uh, firstly, which is just kind of on the side, firstly, um, if we love God, we should love His Word. You know, if, if God is truth and we love God, then we should love the truth and we should want to know the truth. I, th- I think that's fa- fairly. Um, standard. Uh, And so if if we're not doing that, then we're not kind of loving God um, the way that we should. But apart from from that, uh, two other problems is that if if we do this the wrong way around, if we kind of become the mold and the Bible is the Play-Doh, first of all, we're stopping that shaping process from happening. We're, We're stopping the Bible from doing the work that God intended it to do. Um, God's desire is for us to look more and more like Jesus every day. How does he do that? He does that a little at a time. If, if we shift these things around, then we're stopping that molding process from taking place. The second thing is uh, this mindset can actually shackle us and limit, and limit our exposure to the real grace and goodness of God this mindset can shackle us and limit our exposure to the real grace and goodness of god i'll I'll give you an example that came up actually just this week there's a friend of mine who is involved in a ministry and he was telling me about a conversation he was having uh, with someone else and this person was a young christian guy he'd reached out to my friend um, and this young christian guy he just wants to share the gospel with his friends he has a passion for talking about Jesus with his friends. Now, his expectation, his upbringing, his experience, is that when he does that, the Holy Spirit will speak to him with words, and it's going to, t- and he is going to tell him who to share the gospel with, and not only who to share the gospel with, but also what to say. That there's this kind of active voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Um. And, and that's, not a, that's not really an uncommon uh, experience of the Holy Spirit. Um, the problem was, and, and this is why this person was reaching out to my friend, was that didn't always happen for this young man. Um, he was actually beginning to struggle to know the difference between what he was, what he thought the Holy Spirit's voice was and what his own thoughts were. And what that then led to is he began actually kind of doubting the Holy Spirit. Well, if, if I can't distinguish these kind of two voices, then, you know, what's going on? What's wrong with me? How, why, am I not inter- why am I not kind of understanding this correctly? Is there something wrong with me? He thought he was being unfaithful. And he then, be, he then kind of became overwhelmed with confusion. He became overwhelmed with guilt. And he even started questioning his salvation. And so we're going to kind of have a bit of a look at that issue again towards the end as we kind of look at some application. Um, but I just want to kind of highlight that this, this isn't just like an intellectual kind of preacher's problem. Um, this is actually something that um, can affect all of us. Um, and it's not just with the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's a whole range of things. Um, I've spoken to many of people who... Um, kind of struggle with a similar thing, with with just this misunderstanding of of who God is and, and how He works in our lives. And so, what I want to do is, as we kind of continue on, the rest of it's going to be fairly practical. I want to I want to give you a bit of a toolkit. Um, there's just two tools, so two tool, two different ideas, uh, but we're going to go uh, in depth. And these are tools that you can bring into your quiet time to help you know the truth. Of God's word. That's the idea. Um, this isn't so much about kind of, um, you know, um, helping you to be really affirmed in your faith or anything like that, or, or like a, or, or your personal walk with God. Although I think it does affect that. This is more about saying, how can I come to the Bible so I can understand the truth of what His of what the of what God's word says? Okay. So that's, that's what we're going to do. So, here we go. Tool number one is never read a Bible verse. Never read a Bible verse. Always read a passage. Never read a Bible verse. Always read a passage. This is something I heard uh, from someone called Greg Kokel. He's the leader of a ministry called Stand to Reason. He's a, like an apologist and, and an author uh, and a theologian. And uh, this is a remedy for something I call coffee cup theology. Coffee cup theology. Coffee cup theology is when your faith or when your understanding of God is based on the verses that you might find on the side of a coffee cup. So the verses like, and and you've probably heard these before, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. Or maybe uh, the famous Jer- Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, <clears throat> I don't want to kind of be too critical, like obviously those verses are true. Um, there is truth in those verses, but what we need to do is we need to understand the context of what's happening around those verses to get the real truth. And what can happen is when we take these things out of their context, we can kind of get the wrong idea, and and, th- and that's what this is about. So we have these verses in the Bible. We take them out of their context that they were written in, and then, um, and then we kind of form our idea of who God is around that. The problem is um, people are meaning-making machines. We're meaning-making machines. What that means is, when something isn't kind of communicated fully, our minds will fill in the gaps. So if you have a sentence or like a, like a fortune cookie and you read it and you go, wow, that's, that's so true. Um, sometimes it's because it's like, yeah, there might be some truth in there, but you're kind of filling the gaps. It's just one sentence, but you're kind of filling in the gaps with your meaning around like what might be vague about that actual sentence. So we're meaning-making machines, and our minds will fill the gap with meaning. And if we're not carefully, we can sometimes change the meaning of what was originally written. And we're going to have a look at an example in just a second. In fact, we're going to look at that right now. Let me take a drink first. So in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, uh, says this where two or three are gathered in my name there i am uh, there i am among them have you heard that verse before yep um what often happens you might have heard this verse and i i've got to be honest i might have said this before in like a public setting i i can't remember but i, I probably have but i've certainly heard it before it's often used as the welcome to church verse Okay. Hey, it's so great to have you here with us this morning at church or tonight at church. We're going to worship God together. And you know what the Bible says? When two or three are gathered in, uh, in my name, there I am with you. That's what it's often used as. Okay. Um, now, it's certainly true that God is with us here in church. Okay, absolutely, there is a truth there. My question is, but what if I'm sitting alone by myself having a quiet time? Does that mean God isn't with me there Okay, so let's have a look then. Let's take our tool and let's apply it to this verse. And I'll have, if you've got your Bible there, it's Matthew 18, uh, ver, it's verse 20, but we're going to go from verse 15 and the, um, the text will come up once again on the screens um, there. And I'm just going to read the text. I want you to think about the example that I used and then we're going to read the text together. And I'm going to give you a bit of a moment just to kind of think through... But before I kind of, because I've done done a bit of stuff, like I've sat with this verse a bit, I'm going to give you a bit of a chance to kind of sit with it as well. I'm just going to read it. Matthew 18, uh, from verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault because you and him, uh, sorry, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he he does not listen to you, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again Again I say to you, if two of, sorry, again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Then there's verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So we have this verse, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Within the context it's pretty clear to see that this isn't about coming together in a church service. Um, As we look at just the context around it by just reading a couple of extra verses, kind of before or after or sometimes both, uh, we can see that this is about conflict resolution among believers. That first of all, um, Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking, that first of all, go individually to the person where there is an offense and try and resolve it with them. And then if that doesn't work, take some witnesses. Take one or two witnesses. And then if that doesn't work, um, then bring it before the church. And so the two or three, when two or three are gathered in my name, that's talking about the witnesses to this event or maybe this person's character that you're taking with you to kind of confront this person about the offense that's happened. Okay, that's what the two or three are gathered in my name. That's what it's all about. Now you you might think, and and to be honest, I kind of like I was almost kind of like, oh, should I really use this as an example? Because it's kind of it's kind of an innocuous verse, right? Like it's not if someone gets up and uses that verse in a Bible church, it's not that big a deal, okay? Because we, we, we kind of understand the truth of, of what they're trying to say. Um, but the problem is that uh, we can also if, if if we're not careful, we can take that same approach of taking a verse out of context, filling the gaps with our own meaning, and we can actually start, over time particularly, we can start to form our view of God based on these missing gaps and these verses taking out of context rather than what the Bible actually says. So it's an example that is kind of, like I said, it's, it's not super important. It's a fairly innocuous verse, but I think it provides a good example for, for the kind of thing I'm talking about. And hopefully, I haven't offended anyone by using those as an example. So that's tool number one: never read a Bible verse. So in your quiet times, my encouragement to you, you know, even uh, in like the U version app, it'll come up with the verse of the day. That's good my encouragement is to read the verse of the day, then go to the passage, read before, read after, understand that verse within the context, not just by itself, okay? So that's tool number one, never read a Bible verse, always read a passage. Tool number two, uh, and and these tools are are kind of fairly similar, but they do have a a separate um, kind of way that they work out. Tool number two is follow the flow. So never read a Bible verse and follow the flow. We have a habit today of chopping up the Bible. Um, we chop it up into sections when we read it, when we study it, and when we preach it. And this is partly because the chapter and verse divisions, I don't know if you knew this, the chapter and verse divisions weren't put in the original text. So when Paul, or when the, when the writers of the gospel were writing their book, they didn't start with, you know, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 1. Um, they, they just started writing um, it was in the 13th century that the scribes actually put the chapter and verse divisions in um, so, so, it became it, so it became easier to reference the verses that we're talking about. And it's great to help us find passages easily. The negative is that um, it often means we isolate parts of the Bible out from the whole. Um, and so we kind of put it into these little sections and then we don't understand where, like what comes before it, what comes after it, what are, the, what are these big ideas. Let me Let me explain. Um, the Bible was written as a flow. So uh, when you read the book of Romans, for example, um, if you just jump into Romans 5, you need to understand that Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4 are actually leading up to, uh, to Romans 5, and then 6 follows on, etc. Um, so there's actually a flow of ideas, and when we just kind of read a chapter or just a verse, we're, we're taking it out of this flow of ideas, isolating it, and once again, we're kind of filling in the meaning around it. Um, so these ideas were joined from one to the next um you've got to remember th- th- so the the epistles were letters like they're, they're literally paul or john or, or some of these other guys peter were writing letters to these other churches and so we need to make sure we're kind of reading it as letters as well as we're reading it as god's word and these themes build um from one to another uh, and so the writers of the gospels for example um, they didn't necessarily write chronologically. Yes, overall they're writing chronologically, but sometimes um, it's actually kind of, they've, they've arranged the stories of Jesus um, thematically. Um, so sometimes you might see a, a teaching of Jesus um, about something and then there's like a, a miracle or something that happens and they're put together. They might not have actually happened at the same time in real life, but the author put them together to make a theological point. So it's important that we kind of can can start to see those or just start to understand those. Um, likewise, the letters, so, you know, Romans, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, um, they often have a theology section at the front and then a practical application section at the back. Um, and often the practical application is linked to the, th- the theology that was kind of established at the start. Uh, so it's important that we kind of understand some of those things. And so... Uh, so, so when we're reading these sections of Scripture, we need to understand that they were written as a, as a whole. So this kind of tool, this follow the flow, like I said, is similar to the first one, never read a Bible verse, in that it helps us understand the context more, but it's focusing more on the flow of ideas, the flow of ideas that run through these books of the Bible. Um, and so it's good for us to kind of ask the question, what are the themes of this book? Um, what is the author addressing in this book? The theme that you know. What I'm reading right now from this verse has that come up elsewhere in this book? Because that's actually going to, as we read it as a whole, it's going to kind of give some insight as to the real meaning of that of that text. Uh, and so last week when I talked, uh, when when we looked at the verse from Second uh, from Second Timothy chapter 3 i went if you remember i kind of went quickly through that entire chapter because as i was looking at that verse and as i looked at the whole chapter i could see that there was a flow of ideas paul was uh, yeah paul was bringing up this idea of these two voices there was the culture and then there's the voice of the holy spirit uh, the voice of the scriptures rather and it's important to bring those things together or to understand the flow of ideas it gives us greatest insight into not only what paul was wanting to say but also what the holy spirit was wanting to say through paul and so here's something that you can do in your regular quiet times um, to to kind of put this tool into place Um, read large chunks of the bible sometimes Read large chunks of the Bible sometimes. It will take you, if you want to read the book of Ephesians, it'll take you about 20 minutes. If you want to read uh, the the Gospel of Luke, it'll take you about two and a half hours. Now, that might be a long time, and I, I probably couldn't maintain focus for that long. I mean, it's it's the length of a Marvel film with the post credit scene, so we should be able to concentrate. But... Um, but, you know, but I get it. It's, it's hard to kind of read um, for, for, for that period of time. And so, look, you, you, might, want, you might not want to read Luke in a two-and-a-half-hour um, slot, but maybe you want to chop it up into three major sections. Um, what you guys are doing at the moment, reading two, it's two chapters at a time, I think, with the Bible plan, that's good. Th- that's great. Keep doing that. I would also encourage you, if you're interested in doing this, to include times where you're actually reading, let's say, 10 chapters at a time. Don't worry about trying to get, you know, sometimes we read the Bible kind of going, God, just give me that nugget that I need for the day. You know, just give me that little bit of truth, that little gold nugget that I can take with me. That's okay. But sometimes we actually want to kind of take a bird's eye view and see what the overarching themes are. That can be really helpful for us as well. So that's what this tool is about. Follow the flow. So there we are. Tool one never read a bible verse and tool to follow the flow two things that you can bring into your regular quiet times um, as you're reading the bible and so what i want to do is i want to play this out in practice kind of with you um, on how we can put these tools um, to use and so i'm going to use a different example and to be honest i wasn't sure if i was going to use this example but i'm just i felt I felt this was the right thing to do, so I'm just going to stick with it. But we're going to head back to the example of what I was talking about with the young, the young Christian guy who was struggling with his faith because he had this expectation that the Holy Spirit would speak to him in a voice and would guide him with that voice. And what I want to do is I just want to put that, not, not, not that theological idea, but I just want to put the verse that people often use to the test with these tools and we'll just see how it plays out. So um, it's a common understanding, and what people—the verse that people will often go to—and I've heard people do this in sermons. I've heard people do uh, do this personally when I've had a conversation with them, is they will use the verse, "My sheep hear my voice." My sheep hear my voice, and at a superficial look, a superficial look, I I get it. You know, um, if if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is living in you. And if you are one of Christ's sheep, then you will hear God's voice. We know that God guides us. We know that He gives us wisdom. We know that He's there with us. So surely, look—it it makes sense to say, "Yeah, my sheep hear my voice." That, if I'm in a situation that I should expect to hear the Spirit's voice, I, I can understand how you know how that can how that can happen. But let's take our tools and let's just kind of um, challenge that idea. And, uh, and, and let's ha- let's have a look at it together. And if you want to have a further chat with me after the service, I'm more than happy to. Um, but what we want to do is we want to be shaped by the Scriptures. We don't want to shape the Scriptures by our own ideas. And we want to apply these tools. And so the question we're asking is, what does the Bible mean when it says, my sheep hear my voice? So if you've got your Bibles there, quickly turn to John chapter 10, because that is the chapter that this verse falls in. It... it, it Uh, It's John chapter 10, verse 27. Once again, I've got uh, the text there up on the screen. Um, But just kind of keep your Bible open in in chapter 10 because we're going to kind of have a look at the whole chapter in context as well. Not read the whole chapter, just have a look at it. So uh, let's apply tool number one. Never read a Bible verse, always read a passage. Here we go. Uh, So the verse, once again, is uh, verse 27, but we're going to start at verse 24. So John 10, verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep verse 27 My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will uh, and no one will snatch them out of my hand My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand I and the Father are one So as we are opening up the context, as we're not just reading a Bible verse, we're reading a passage, we can see, uh, putting aside the theological idea of whether the Holy Spirit speaks to us or not, just putting that aside, we're just looking at this verse. What does this verse mean? By using this tool, we can see that this verse specifically is not talking about the Holy Spirit at all. It's not talking about um, hearing an audible voice in your mind from the Holy Spirit in your day to day. Um, now, my personal belief, I kind of believe that the Holy Spirit can do what he wants. Um, so I'm not putting limits around what he does. It's what should we expect from Scripture. That's the question. Um, and so what is this passage saying? Well, this passage is talking about Jesus' Jesus's identity. The crowd around him, the Pharisees are asking, are you the Christ? And Jesus is responding. Basically, he's saying, you guys don't believe that I am. And the reason that you don't believe is because you're not one of my sheep. If you were one of my sheep, you would hear my voice because my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's the message of that verse. And so hearing Jesus' voice um, is is more about the Christians who believe him and follow him, um, not so much about hearing the audible voice of the Spirit. So let's now apply tool number two, follow the flow. Um, Now, we're not going to have a chance to do this properly I've spent time I went through the entire chapter you can in fact I would encourage you if you're interested to do this kind of on your own you can take a uh, snapshot of yes this uh, slide um, and you can you know you can kind of you can test me to see if if I've gotten the major themes there as well but you can kind of scan through read through and and watch the major themes um, kind of come up through a passage like this So let's follow the flow of the themes. And I've done it for you, but once again, I encourage you to do it yourself as well. So the first thing we realize is the conversation um, is actually continuing from the previous chapter. So sometimes, remember how I was talking about the the division of the chapters? Sometimes we are actually in really unhelpful spaces because it's a continuation of the conversation that was happening before. And we're actually jumping into the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. And so we see there, even from... Uh, verse thirty nine, which is a, it's, which is around the last couple of verses of the previous chapter, um, Jesus is calling the Pharisees blind. Um, previously, he's actually healed a blind man, um, and the Pharisees are coming up to him after that event, and he's saying, "You know what? You guys are blind." He's actually casting judgment on them, and then as we move into chapter ten, Jesus is using the analogy of the sheepfold and a shepherd, um, and the gate. Um, to talk about who are the true believers in God. He's saying, Pharisees, you're not the true believers in God, um, but the sheep who hear my voice are. Um, In verse um, 5, it talks about Jesus' sheep won't listen to a stranger's voice. So if you're you're a Christian, you're going to hear the voice of Jesus, not the voice of a stranger. Uh, Jesus refers to himself as both the gate and the good shepherd. Um, Jesus lays down uh, his life for his sheep in verse 11. The sheep know the voice of the good shepherd in verse 14. Uh, Jesus has sheep from a different fold, and those sheep will also hear his voice. That's verse 16. My understanding is that's talking about um, the Gentiles, so the believers in Jesus who weren't Israelites um, but who were Gentiles. That's the different fold. Um, I think, you know, that's my understanding. Uh, the crowd then questioned, are you the Christ? In verse 24, this is uh, where we picked up. Jesus then responds uh, with, you don't believe because you're not one of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, 27. Uh, and, then, and then after this, um, it ends in a really happy space where the crowd picks up stones and accuse Jesus of blasphemy because he claims to be God by saying the Father and I are one. So, so that's the, and once again, I spent time going through that. You can do that yourself. It's, it's not hard. Once you kind of just take the, the pressure of kind of going, you know, what is this nugget that, that I want to hear from God? Just kind of reading it as a text and understanding the full picture. You can do this too. It's, it's not that hard. Um, you, you can identify these themes. Jesus' identity. What true belief in God looks like. The relationship between Jesus, the Good Shepherd, um, and Christians who are the sheep. Um, the gospel of, uh, so uh, the Gospel of John does talk about the Holy Spirit um, in chapters 14 and 16, but as we're following the flow here, we can see that there isn't any mention of the Holy Spirit here in this chapter or in this section specifically. So there is kind of a, a, a practical application of what that looks like. Once again, this isn't, uh, um, I'm, I'm not trying to give you insight as, as to how to get the most out of your um, quiet times or, or how to kind of, you know, feel really blessed after spending time with God. This is about saying, what is the what is God's Word truly saying and how can I be shaped by God's Word and not the other way around? that That's what these tools are all about. So as we come to a close, I'm coming back, in fact I've already done it, I'm coming back to the opening illustration. And there's a question. Is God's word shaping you? That picture up there, is that what your relationship, for want of a better word, is with God's word? Are you being shaped by God's word Or when confronted by something that you don't like or that challenges you, do you tend to see yourself shaping God's word to fit you? Do you allow yourself to be uncomfortably uh, confronted? I'll start again. Do you allow yourself to be uncomfortably confronted with its truth? Because if you are, that's where real change happens. That's where real change happens. The Bible is precious, it's a gift from God and its purpose is to shape us so that we look more and more like Jesus every day. And since we did talk about the issue of the Holy Spirit, uh, let me end now with the Holy Spirit. John 14, this is where Jesus introduces his disciples to who the Holy Spirit is. In verse 16, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. Verse 18, we're not left alone as orphans. Verse 26, the Holy Spirit teaches us and brings to remembrance. Verse 27, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus leaves us peace. He gives us peace. So these tools are here so that you can know and understand well, they're, they're, they're there to help you know and understand the truth of the Scriptures. Never read a Bible verse and follow the f- and follow the flow. But remember, as you do so, you have a helper. If you desire to be shaped by God's Word, you have a helper. If you are truly open to being broken and restored, the Spirit of truth dwells in you. If you truly want to love God with all your mind, You're not an orphan. You're not alone. God is with you. If you truly want to be free from the shackles of your tradition, the Holy Spirit will bring you peace. So may the Spirit of God work through the Word of God to shape you, a child of God. Let me pray. God, we come before you now just as your word, your truth is still kind of sitting in the air, uh, in our minds. I'm aware that um, sometimes talking about these things can be challenging, they can be confronting. Father, I pray that your spirit of peace will just rest on each one of us. Lord, that you will keep the things which are of you and that you'll just take away the things that are not. Father, it's not my desire to come up and and, and bring my ideas, Father, but Um, to bear us to the truth and authority of your scriptures so that you will do your work through your scriptures, that you will fulfill your purpose in your scriptures to shape us to look more and more like Jesus every day. Sometimes that's encouraging. Sometimes that's painful. And in in both of those spaces, Father, we know that your Spirit is with us. So I pray now that your Spirit will continue to work in the lives of each person that's here. Father, if there is work to be done with with reshaping, uh, with, with coming to the Bible and seeing it as the truth, Father, I pray that you will um, help us walk into those spaces, that we can walk humbly, see you for the spirit of truth of who you are, see the word of God for the truth, for what it is, and that we will be shaped by you day by day. Thank you for your precious word. It is a gift. May we open it day by day, and may you change us day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.